Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. On this week's episode, episode 61, your beautiful hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter are going to be talking to you about college football, college basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, a trivia edition of Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions. Yeah, we are going to jump right into the hard-hitting sports because we have our favorite sport to cover coming back at us here this upcoming Saturday when the Iowa State Cyclones take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in the Camping World Bowl at 11 a.m. Central Time on ABC from Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. It is going to be, yeah, Wyatt's impressed that I was just able to spit out all of that without messing it up. That is, I, I am very impressed. Maybe he is, should give our introductions from now on. Honestly, Michael, though. Would my introduction percentages be better than yours? Most likely. It is supposed to be a balmy 79 degrees with a possible morning shower and otherwise sunny in Orlando, Florida for Saturday's game. So beautiful weather for any Cyclone fans or Cyclone marching band members who are heading down to the bowl game to see it. Kyle, what do you expect out of this ball game? What do you expect to see out of this Iowa State team? Well, uh, I would like to see a victory. I'm not I didn't necessarily. Ask what you would like to see? I ask what you'd expect to see. I'm not expecting it. Um, but what I am expecting is this team to come out and battle, as we've seen in the pre- previous two years uh, in bowl games. Uh, the with that being the Alamo Bowl and the Liberty Bowl. Um, both games, they did compete very hard uh, in um, those the, with the Alamo Bowl. Uh, kind of the first quarter, they were, or the first half, really, they were a little lackadaisical on both sides of the football, um, but were really in the game in the second half. I, I expect to see two complete halves of football, four quarters of football played by the Cyclones team. I expect to see that they finally put it together in will uh, in what will be obviously the final game of the 2019 season. I expect to see Brock Purdy throwing a lot of passes and the entire offense being placed on his shoulders once again. Um, and that's due to some things that I'm reading up about the uh uh, Notre Dame defense um, being a little bit more stout against the run um, compared to some of the teams that the Cyclones have faced in Big 12 play. So look for this to be a game placed solely on Brock Purdy's shoulders. Yeah, I agree that, um, that Brock Purdy is going to have to play well for the Cyclones to win this basketball game. But I don't that, think they're going to team... they're going to win the, the Cyclone football team including Brock Purdy, is going to win this basketball game. Yeah, I don't yes. know how well they can play b-ball. Yes, this is, I see, I was being distracted because I was getting ahead to our next segment and looking up the net rankings to talk about in our next segment. So I said <laughs> basketball, even though I was talking about football. This is what happens when you look up too, much, too many statistics. you got to hey, focus I, on what I, you're doing. I only have about 14 tabs open for this podcast right now, so I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Actually, only 11 of them are for the podcast. The other three are my newspaper. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here, folks. What you heard it here first? You heard it here, folks. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. One of your hosts 
is 85 years old and still reads the newspaper. I don't know, though. He said he's reading, reading the newspaper in his browser, so it's not like I, he has a physical, actual a newspaper. Physical newspaper. I your grandpa I does. online subscription to the newspaper that I am reading. So that's, how, that's the way to read the newspaper. Read the newspaper. It's good for you, and it's good for society. Read the newspaper. Anyway, I do expect Brock Purdy to have to throw the football in order for the Cyclones to win this football game. But I don't think this team can become one-dimensional because, right, we've seen what happens when this team becomes one-dimensional. It's what happened against K-State, and it didn't end up well. This team can't become one-dimensional. Even if the run game isn't necessarily going to be successful, we have to show Notre Dame that we are going to attempt to run the ball. Brees Hall has to be effective. Um as effective as he can, even if he only gets limited carries, because we have to show Notre Dame that we can run the ball in order to set up some of those run-pass options um, that work so well. If, if they know, if we want to run-pass option and they know we ain't going to run it, it's not very deceptive. So we got to show that we are going to run the ball, especially with Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy's running the ball effectively is going to be a key to this game. And something else that'll be really a big key for this football game is we are losing most of this offensive line uh, going into next season. This offensive line only allowed 13 sacks throughout the entire season uh, for the Cyclones. So if we can keep Brock Purdy's jersey clean, so to speak, keep him off the ground, give him time to throw the ball, he can find windows. And we just have to give him time. And if they can block and get Brees Hall some yards downfield, then this Cyclones offense can get rolling in a hurry. Um, But that's going to be what needs to happen. The only two losses uh, that Notre Dame suffered this year were at the hands of Georgia and Michigan, um, two teams who have been ranked in the top 25 for the majority of the season. So they haven't had any bad losses, um, but in – but this will be a completely different test for them. They're they're going to be facing an offense in Iowa State that can that has a bunch of deep threats down the field. So Brock Purdy with his legs, Brees Hall with his legs, are is going to open up some down the field uh, shots for the Cyclones, which I think will be key in this game. Can we get those big plays? Because in games where we lost. Uh, in some of those games, which Mike had mentioned, the K-State game, there weren't many big play opportunities in that game. And it really seemed to put our offense into a little box. We need those big plays to really open us up and let the ball fly. Yeah, I agree. This has been a big play offense all year. It has not been a... Uh has not been a dink and dunk type of offense. This offense needs big plays. I mean, that's how we scored against Texas, thinking of the big uh, long touchdown pass, Brees Hall with long touchdown runs. That's how this team has scored. That's not going to change against against Notre Dame, right? It's going to have to. We're going to have to play our brand of football. We're not going to be able to go out there and play some, some other type of football that this team isn't designed for. We're going to have to go out there play our game, make some big plays, and avoid giving up big plays on defense. That's going to be the key. Avoid the, That's how this defense is designed. It's designed to avoid giving up big plays and make quarterbacks complete those short throws and uh, and stay ahead of the sticks and not give up big plays. That's It's big plays. Not giving them up and making them is going to be the difference in this game. Speaking of big plays, uh, Notre Dame's big play receiver, 
this is a name to watch out for and a matchup to watch out for. Anthony Johnson is the Cyclones' top cover corner uh, going up against Chase Claypool. Anthony Johnson does give up five inches uh, in height difference. Chase Claypool for Notre Dame is 6'5", and Anthony Johnson, if you can do that math quickly in your head, is only six foot. There he's listed at six foot. But that'll be the matchup to watch. Chase Claypool is the go-to receiver uh, for the Notre Dame Irish. He has 59 catches on the year for nearly uh, 700 yards and has scored 12 times. So especially in the end zone or in the red zone and goal to go opportunities, he is the go-to receiver. How can Anthony Johnson step up to try to take away this option for Notre Dame and force the ball into other players' hands? Uh, because their other wide receivers aren't nearly as good um, as their top receiver, Chase Claypool. Matchup to watch out for. Yes, as Wyatt uh, says, we are getting close to the end of this segment. One thing, of course, we have to do is say, who you got? Kyle, who you got? Uh, Just as a note, Notre Dame is a four-point favorite and is given, I believe, about a 68% chance to win, according to ESPN's Football power index. Easy. Cyclones by three. You got Cyclones by three, Wyatt? What the heck? That's what I was going to say. Oh, Cyclones by six. A whole touchdown. I have Notre Dame by three. I think Notre Dame is better than people are giving them credit for. I think they are going to win this game. I hope they don't, but I think they will. I think they're going to win this game. Well, I hope we prove you wrong. I hope so, too, but I'm going to be the downer. There's a reason I'm not uh, having you write down that prediction. I'm not confident in it. So do not write that down. Don't do it. Don't do it. We'll do that later. That comes at the end of the podcast, not the beginning. (laughs) That is how that works. I'm smart. Do you know what else is smart? The Iowa State basketball team for taking a finals week break. Oh, I had one more Cyclone football note I was going to throw in there. We're just going to derail. Um, um. The only underclassman that uh, Iowa State requested uh, NFL feedback from was tight end Charlie Kohler. So all of the Cyclone non-seniors will be back next year, except possibly Charlie Kohler. He would be the only um, underclassman who would think about going pro here in the offseason. I don't think he does personally, but the Cyclones did request NFL feedback from him. I think he comes back to school one more year. He finishes that degree. He's an academic All-American in engineering. I think he's going to make sure he finishes that degree one more year and then maybe goes pro if he has another good year. But anyway, now we're going to talk about how the Cyclone men's basketball team is smart because they took a finals week break. They only had one game this week. It was uh, on Saturday after... Um, finals ended because you know it was actually on Sunday. Was it on Sunday, yeah. Are you sure? It was Sunday at twelve o'clock central. Yeah, you're right. That was yeah, you're right. I have I have the day that today is wrong. I was like it was two days ago, and it's a Monday, so the game was on Saturday. Except it's a Tuesday, so yeah. The Cyclones destroyed a bad Indiana University Fort Worth, or was it Purdue um, University Fort so Worth? So it's Purdue University Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne, whatever. Fort Worth's in Indiana, too, right? No, Fort Worth is in Texas. Ah, whatever. Close it's enough. It's the sister city of Dallas. Ah, whatever. They beat a bad basketball team that nobody's ever heard of, and we didn't learn anything from the game. We're not going to learn anything about any of these games until conference play starts on January 4th. Um, I believe the Cyclones open with TCU on the road and then Kansas at home. 
Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there, Kyle, but I believe that's the case. Looking it up now. I'm going to probably beat you to it. Yeah, TCU on the road and then Kansas at home um, are the two games. Um, so that's how the uh, Cyclones open up. And that's when we're going to start learning things, especially that Kansas game at home. That's a game that this team probably has to have if they're going to make this uh, make the NCAA tournament in the end. It's, yeah, the the team is actually doing pretty good in like the Ken Palm, uh, the advanced metrics that I like. They're number 42 in the Ken Palm, which puts them at a bubble team. But still, their net ranking, which is the ranking that the selection committee actually uses, has them at 69th, which is definitely not um, an NCAA tournament level. So the Cyclones are going to need to pick up some big wins against big teams if they're well, going to and, climb that net rankings. And, and get one of there. the reasons, one of the reasons why this Cyclones team uh, is, I believe, is ranked so highly in the Ken Palm is their ability to not turn the ball over. Uh, they haven't really been. They've been keeping care or taking care of the basketball, and they've been. Um, they have assisted a lot more this year. They've shared the basketball a lot more this year uh, than previous years, especially last season, where last year was a more of a um, everybody like take the ball, take a couple dribbles, and you know put up your own shot, uh, creating your own shots with NBA type players like uh, Taylor Horton Tucker and Lindell Wigington on that team and Mary Alshayak this year. They're sharing the basketball more. They just need the basketball to go in the hoop. They have suffered mightily uh, shooting from the field in field goal percentage. Um, and in most of their losses this year, they have shot right around 30% from the field, which is atrocious. Um, but in the game against uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne on Sunday, they had their highest sh- uh, field goal percentage outing of the season at 62.8%. So if we get a few more games closer to that end of the spectrum rather than 30% from the field. I feel like this team can be way more competitive in big 12 play, especially since they don't, they have a tendency to hold on to the ball and not turn it over and create a lot of turnovers, force a lot of turnovers as well. Yeah. Uh, the Cyclones do have one game before conference play starts. Florida a and Florida A&M on uh, new year's Eve. Yeah, New Year's Eve night. So if you're looking for something to do at 6 o'clock on New Year's Eve and you want to watch the Cyclones destroy a, wow, a 1-9 in nine Florida A&M team, wow, they're bad. They're averaging 59 points a game. They've lost to a bunch of schools I've never heard of. But they beat Seattle. So, you know, if you want to watch them beat up on a bad Florida A&M Take team, Take that as again, it is. Again, learn nothing about the team. You can do that but because you won't you won't see many of the starters playing in that game for very yeah, long. Well, they'll for play very for a long. while, but yeah, you hope that bench will get emptied, and then uh, then on the fourth, we'll see the the test for real at TCU in a big conference game. But that's it for Cyclone men's basketball. Take a break from that until uh, conference play starts, and go watch the football team in the bowl game, or you could go watch Week 17. And the NFL playoffs, because those are going to be starting up here. Well, well, week 17 is next week, and then the playoffs you, start the week after that. You may or may not want to watch Baltimore this week, since Lamar Jackson is actually not going to play this week, because they already gonna, locked up the number one seed. I'm probably going to win a fantasy football championship, because Lamar Jackson isn't going to play this week. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, very fine with him not playing. So... I, I like winning fantasy football championships. I get a big trophy to put on my desk. That's going to be really cool. 
So yay, Lamar Jackson not playing. Very hey, much hey, Wyatt, I didn't think that this podcast was called "Hey, the World Revolves Around Me," Mike Ludwig. I mean, you're right. That's not the title of the podcast. But how many could... times have you watched the Baltimore Ravens this year, anyway, Kyle? <laughs> Once. When they played the Chiefs? No, when they well, twice actually. When they played the <laughs> Chiefs and when they played the San Francisco 49ers. So you weren't going to watch them next week, even if Lamar Jackson was playing. Is what you're you're right because they're playing an early game, and the Chiefs are also playing an early game against the Chargers. Yeah, so but the Chiefs game doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, it actually does, because if they do lose this game, then they drop to a four seed if the Texans go on to beat the Titans uh, yeah, but, this week. Yeah, so it does matter, but it doesn't. there are a lot of games that don't really matter this week. I think, some... I think the Chiefs would prefer to stay away from the four seed and have to uh, travel to Baltimore. I think they'd rather stay in the three seed and take their chances against Tom Brady and the Patriots again. So, Yeah, I would rather play the Patriots than the... Uh... Than the, the Ravens. I don't want to play the Ravens. The Ravens are the only team in the AFC that really, really scares me. The Chiefs are good. The Patriots are good. But the Ravens are the only team that absolutely scares me that I would not want to play. So, Can I correct your statement right there? What? The Patriots' defense is good. Okay. That's it. But the Patriots... Kyle, what is their record? They are good. They are good. They are, but their, they defense, their the defense has won them more games. Okay. So they're... So, same with the 49ers. The 49ers are good, too. doesn't matter that their defense is... But they're good. They're a good team, but they still don't scare me because they can't put up points. If you can keep a game low scoring, it's a lot more of a, a toss-up game than a shootout, in my opinion, right? There's a lot more teams who can win low-scoring games than shootouts, including the Vikings. Much more likely to win a low-scoring game than a shootout. That's why I'm uh, much more scared of the Ravens than the uh, the Chiefs or the the Patriots. But anyway, what were we talking about before we got off on this little? How the playoff about? field is pretty much decided, and how there's a lot of meaningless games this yes. week. Um, the Patriots aren't playing in a meaningless game. They still got to beat the Miami Dolphins in order to lock up the number two seed. But uh, by outlasting the Bills this last week, they clinched that AFC. What are they? Is that the AFC East? Yeah. Yeah. The AFC East for like the 11th straight season or something absurd like that. It was finally close for once. They were playing a meaningful game in the in week 16. Yes. Yep. Yeah. But they'll clinch the number two seed if they can beat Miami or if the Chiefs were to lose. Either one would clinch the number two seed for the Patriots. Um, as Kyle alluded to earlier, the Texans clinched the AFC South when they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Saturday. Jameis Winston, I just don't think he, he he must be like colorblind or something um the he's thrown more touchdown passes to an opposing team than he has to all but two of his receivers yes that's yeah, not good. his third his third six, leading receiver on the year is the other team six for touchdowns six pick sixes he's thrown this season so but he throws for like a ton of yards and touchdowns too so if you're he's, in a fantasy league where you don't lose points for interceptions he's great to start but if you do He's awful to start. That, that's the moral of the story. He's going to throw for 5,000 yards on the season. Probably, yeah. It's, it's in, he puts up some amazing numbers if you don't look at those intercept, interceptions. I mean, but he puts up those numbers because he throws so many interceptions that they're always behind, so they just keep throwing the football. That's why they have a running game that doesn't exist. <laughs> it's a never-ending cycle. He throw, He gets intercepted. 
Team falls behind. He throws lots more passes, puts up lots of numbers, and gets intercepted some more. It's just sort of the way it works. Um, other teams to clinch playoff spots: the Vikings clinched playoff spot with a win over the Ram, uh, with a sorry with the Rams' loss to the 49ers. The Vikings clinched the playoff spot. We'll talk more about the Vikings and the rest of the NFC in a minute. Um, the Chiefs are going to be either the three. I guess they could still be the two seed, as we talked about earlier. But they can be the two, the three, or the four. Right. It really depends on what happens this week. If they win, they'll either stay in the three seed or move up to the two seed. Don't lose to the Chargers. Um, but the Chiefs are really kind of hitting their stride all at the right time, uh, seemingly. Um, re- like in the past uh, five games, They've only allowed uh, 9.6 points per game, just three touchdowns and 13 total red zone trips allowed um, for opponents. They've only allowed t- their 20 out of 62 on third down conversions, like for opponents. Uh, they've forced nine turnovers and back-to-back games of only three points allowed. So hitting their stride at the right time and they're healthy, which is key. Last year going into the playoffs, they were not healthy. Uh, so this is hopefully a better year for the Chiefs, but I don't like looking down and seeing that the Titans are currently in the playoffs right now. Can Marcus uh, Mariota throw another touchdown pass to himself against the Chiefs in the playoffs? That would be fun. Well, the odds of that happening are actually pretty slim since he is now the backup quarterback, but maybe I mean, Ryan yeah. Tannehill could. I've, I've always thought I've always been a big believer in Ryan Tannehill. When the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins, I wanted him to go sign Ryan Tannehill instead, but they didn't. So... Now the Vikings have Kirk Cousins. Anyway, speaking of the Titans, they do currently hold that sixth seed uh, in the uh, AFC playoffs. But there is a mathematical chance that the Oakland Raiders still end up with that sixth seed. Here's what has to happen. They, the Raiders have to beat the Broncos. The Titans have to lose to the Texans because the Titans control their own destiny. Um, the Steelers have to lose to the Ravens because the Steelers are a game ahead of the Raiders right now, so they have to lose for the Raiders to tie them. And then the Colts have to beat the Jaguars. That one is important because it um, it means that there would be a four-way tie between the Raiders, Titans, Steelers, and Colts for the, the last seed in the AFC. Um, and the Colts would eliminate the Titans from that tiebreaker because of a better division record. Um, the Raiders would have the tiebreaker over the Colts because they beat the Colts in a head-to-head game earlier this year, and then the Raiders have a better strength of victory than the Steelers in that case. So the Raiders would go to the playoffs on, like, the fourth tiebreaker in that case. So there is one chance for the Raiders to make the playoffs, but most likely it's going to be the Titans or the um, Steelers going in that playoff spot. There is no chance for the Colts in that, despite the fact that... um, they factor into that tiebreaker. There's no way they win any tiebreakers they could end up in. So they will not be making the playoffs. Um, the other interesting thing to still talk about for the NFL playoffs is the seeding picture in the NFC. Now, the two, to two seeds that are decided is that the Eagles probably, since they beat the Cowboys this week, if they can just beat the Giants next week, will be the four seed. And the Vikings will be the sixth seed because they got absolutely destroyed by the Packers uh, on Monday Night Football. Kirk Cousins went to 0-9 all-time in Monday Night Football and just Kirk looked Cousins, absolutely awful. Kirk Cousins looks at an NFL schedule and sees Monday Night and just cries or poops himself, whichever one. 
you, he you doesn't could definitely, like Monday night. <laughs> you could definitely tell that Vikings offense was hurting without Dalvin Cook this last week. Um, they they need Dalvin Cook, right? Cook Cousins succeeds on play action, on bootlegs, on things like that. And when it's Mike Boone in the backfield and not Kirk Cousins, defenses just don't respect that play action enough that uh, Kirk Cousins can take advantage of it. They need uh, they need um, Dalvin Cook back for these playoffs. But the rest of the seeds, besides four and six, are very much up for grabs. Um, right now, the Saints, Packers, 49, and 49ers are competing for the two first-round buys. Um, the Seahawks could end up either in the three seed or the five seed, depending on their matchup next Sunday night versus the 49ers. The winner wins the NFC West. The loser um, takes that five seed in the wild card. Um, but really, the moral of the story is a lot of those top teams, if you look at the top five teams in the NFC, three of them are really beat up right now. Especially Seattle, the especially. Seahawks. Seattle the Seahawks. Two, two offensive linemen, three running backs, all injured for the Seahawks. They signed Moshan Lynch. Moshan Lynch was passing out shots at a Raiders game a week the and final, a half. The ago. final game in Oakland, he was handing out shots to fans. And now, and he's, now he's the start, starting he running back for a playoff team. On a, yes, on a double digit win football team in week 17. The Seahawks are the. the the uh, 49ers defense, which once looked unstoppable, um, has given up 28-plus points in the last three weeks, uh, each in the last three weeks. So they look, they're look they beat up and look vulnerable again. Like I said, the Vikings are missing Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr both got hurt against the Packers. So really only the Saints and Packers are the only teams in the NFC uh, in the NFC playoff picture that are fully healthy. And I mean, that makes them the favorites, right? Health yep. is a big thing in the NFL, like you talked about with the chiefs. So that makes, that makes those two teams, the favorites. And, in the and NFL speaking, playoff. speaking of the aforementioned new Orleans saints, if you all weren't paying attention, Michael Thomas did set a new NFL record uh, this week weekend, surpassing uh, Marvin Harrison, a record set in 2002 for the most receptions in a single NFL season, and he still has one more game to play. Uh, so just an absolutely incredible year for both Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, and Michael Thomas for being able to surpass that record. Yeah, Michael Thomas is a fantastic wide receiver. Very great for a, great for a PPR league in fantasy football. Yeah, him and Drew Brees are leading me to a fantasy football championship because I know you love hearing about my fantasy football championships, Kyle. Kyle, Let's you just did make not this win. segment all about you and Kyle, move on to Mike's Kyle, stupid did, rules. You did not win a fantasy football championship. I just like to point that out. Quick. Neither did neither did Wyatt. Neither That's did true. Wyatt. Wyatt didn't even make the playoffs. No, no. I didn't. That's I just gave up as soon as I was like, okay, I'm done. Goodbye. That's unfortunate. But yes, as White alluded to in the intro, we do have a trivia-ish edition of Mike's Stupid Rules. Today, we are going to talk about the ways that points could get um, taken off the board for a basketball team. I can Ooh. think of three ways that points I have could one. get taken off the board from a basketball team. Right Kyle says he has one. Kyle, what is it? Uh, so if they review, if they call it as a three on the field and then they review it, 
uh, and is actually a two like foot on the line scenario, a point will be taken off there. Yep, that is one of the three ways I could think of. Can I uh, come up with the other two? One taking, of them is taking a tip a tip uh, shot off if the ball was still over the rim. Offensive goaltending, yes, Offensive that's number two. This third one is really hard, and really the reason this segment is going to exist. Want to give us a hint? It happened in the Minnesota-Ohio State basketball game two weeks ago. Which you were telling me about the game, but you didn't tell me about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it has to do with Oh. No, it's not a lane violation before uh, somebody asks. Well, no, because it wouldn't have been scored. It would have been dead before. Exactly. Um, was it something unsportsmanlike? Nope. Uh, I don't know. All right, you ready? You, you ready for this explanation? Hit us with it. Yeah, I All think right. so. So the way that it could happen is uh, Minnesota got fouled and was going to shoot free throws. Um, they shot and made the first th- free throw, giving them a point. And then at, at that point, the referee at the scores table called the officials over to the scores table. They reviewed the play and realized that they had sent the wrong player to the free throw line to shoot the free throws. Somebody else had gotten fouled other than the player they sent to the free throw line to shoot. So oh. they took the point off the board because the what? wrong player had shot the free throw and made the player who actually got <laughs> oh, fouled man. shoot the free throw. I would be so pissed. How did how did the that, other that players like shoot? Me. I don't know. I wasn't watching the game. I was on a plane, Kyle. Oh. That, that seems like crap, though. That doesn't. That feels like something that shouldn't be able to be reversed. But it is because it's not a judgment call, right? Yeah, I know. Right. I understand who why got fouled not... isn't a judgment call. So it doesn't they can feel reverse. right. That doesn't feel right to me. Because I, 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 I've seen them, you know, change the player at the line, but never after they'd yeah. shot a free throw before. Yeah. I had never seen it after they'd shot a free throw before. So I was really surprised by that. But, yes, that's they did weird. take a point off the board for that. So that's weird. It is very weird, but it did indeed happen. So there you go. Three ways. If you can think of other ways that points could be taken off the board, no offensive fouls don't take points off the board. The foul occurs before the shot goes in. The points were never on the board. That one doesn't count. Um, if you can think of other ways, let me know. What and about then... what about the end of a half? So, like, if they shoot a buzzer okay, yep. beater? Yep. That there would you be go. There's four. Yep, and they call it good and then review. Call it good review. on the court review. Same with the shot clock violation. They call yep. it good live and shot clock review and say it didn't. Yep, those are both valid. So there's two more, but I can't think of any others. If any of our listeners can uh, reach out to us on Instagram or reach out to Kyle or Wyatt on Twitter or on our contact page, fireside.8311cast.fm slash contact or not, something not even like close. that. Wyatt, we don't know. <laughs> not even. 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contact. I was close. You tried. I had all the right parts. Yeah, just not quite in the right order. A couple extra dots. Close enough. That's cool. We know what you meant. We knew what you meant. Speaking of knowing what you meant, do you want to go ahead and lead us into our accountability session for our Write That Down Predictions segment? I would love to do that. We actually had a very, very successful set of predictions coming off the board with the exception of Wyatt. Yeah, Um, buddy. Last week, Josh had two predictions come off the board. 
Um, first, he predicted a while back that Alan Lazard would play in at least 80% of the Packers' remaining games, uh, even if he doesn't play in Week 17, which, barring a freak injury, um, I presume he will. Um, but he'll make 80% of the games either way. So for that, Josh gets a ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. Josh also predicted at one point that the Packers would win the NFC North, which they did with their win over the Vikings. So for that, he gets a ding, 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 ding. I had predicted 2016. Yeah, that's true. I had predicted that the Vikings would make the playoffs. That is true because the Rams lost to the 49ers. So for that, I get a ding, 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 ding. And last week, Wyatt predicted the long, very obscure chance of making the playoffs when he predicted the Browns would make the playoffs instead of (laughs) predicting that the Raiders would make the playoffs. So for that, Wyatt gets a... Hey, you didn't even know they had a chance until I made that prediction. That's true. They still had a chance at that point in time. They did. That's very true. When Wyatt said it, I was like, oh, I heard they had a chance, but it's not good. Uh, Kyle, you want to lead us off with your predictions for this week? Well, I just have one prediction, not multiple Oh, you're not going to go multiple? Okay. No. So the New Orleans Saints will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. So alluding to healthy teams being healthy at the right time. Hmm. Well, according to 538, they have a 16% chance to win the Super Bowl. So that would will give them about a 32% chance to make the Super Bowl. Because we'll call them, right, if yeah. you call the Super Bowl a toss-up. That seems like double territory to me. That's kind of what I was thinking. Okay. Double for Kyle. I'll take it. What do you got, Mike? Um, I am predicting that because the Twins have now missed out on pretty much every big uh, pitcher in free agency with uh, Ryu signing with Toronto and Keuchel signing with, what, did he sign in Arizona? Maybe. I don't know. Not Minnesota. That the Twins will trade for a pitcher sometime before the start of the season. The Twins will trade for a pitcher before the start of the season. A very nice pitcher, not the Mona Lisa, though. I typed picture on a document and they're making fun of me. No, you <laughs> typed you typed pitcher like like a pitcher of water. Right? No, he typed and then, picture. No, no, he didn't. And then I fixed it to the correct form of pitcher. No, he spelled pitcher without a T or something. So I put a T in there. I was like, you know what? No, I'm gonna put picture in there and see if anybody even oh. notices. So I didn't even I didn't even no, spell didn't. it that poorly. So oh. Kyle, you're making fun of you something that Wyatt did. Oh, I don't know. I just looked at the I just looked at the outline and it was picture. I was like, the twins oh. are gonna trade for a picture for they what? Their front for, office, their clubhouse. They might trade for a picture too. I don't know. Maybe they'll trade for a picture and a picture in the same deal. They might like the, like the, like the, the, the Colorado machine. We'll you, Colorado, we'll give you Eddie Rosario for John Gray. And the picture hanging in the wall in your GM's office. Deal or no deal. <laughs> Make that prediction. Oh. Anyway, um, okay. So, yeah, I feel like it's likely to happen. They've missed yeah. all the large names on the free agent market. So, double. Okay. Yeah. I'll take a double for that. Wyatt, what do you got? Well, this is going to be a hard one to, to assign a point value Goodness. for. I'm going to say that the Cyclones will fall start less than seven times during the Camping World Bowl. Oh, have they fall started more than seven times in a game this season? No. I don't think so. I think six. So then single. Yes, this is obviously a single. 
Um, uh, Notre Dame does not stunt like Washington State does. If yep. we false start that many times again, I'm going to be very upset at Matt Campbell. We need to fire our offensive line coach then. <laughs> I'm going to be fair. I thought you were about to say we need to fire Matt Campbell, and I was going to tell no. you no. But I'd be very upset at Matt Campbell for not having his team ready two straight years for something like that. But anyway, that's not going to happen. I know. Well, it is going to happen that they're going to fall start less than seven times. That's definitely not going to happen. They will actually. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hopefully I actually get something right on the board for once. Do you have anything from Josh this week? I do. Josh has predicted something about one of the meaningless NFL games that is happening this week when he predicted that the Bears will beat the Vikings in a meaningless NFC North showdown in Minneapolis on Sunday. Double. Um, Double? Yeah, according to 538, the percent chance of that happening gives the Vikings a 71% chance. So, yeah, 29%. Double or triple, either one. You guys both say double? I'd say a double because I feel like the Vikings might rest some players. I I feel like Kendricks, Barr... Cook, Madison, at least, will all take a week off to make sure they're healthy for a date. With if not, Ivan. like, if not Thielen, too, because he's been banged up quite yeah, a bit. He was this season. factor on Sunday, too. I mean, he had one touch. He carried the ball once for two yards. Nice. And that, and that was it, I think. Three targets, no catches, one carry for two yards. So, yeah, he might last to stay healthy, too. We'll see. Nice. So we got all four of our write that down predictions in a pretty low, low scoring prediction segment. We get three doubles and a single. So mm-hmm. that's a fun fact. Nothing. No, you know, there's nothing. Words are hard. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the 8311 cast. We appreciate you sticking around to listen to me screw everything up. Signing off for this week's episode, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you again next week i think until then go cyclones go cyclones go cyclones